Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Here we are at Blue Chip Academy, episode one. Welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Every blue chip needs a blueprint. Today, we're going to be talking about pretty much my journey that kind of helped develop Blue Chip Academy, where a lot of the ideas came from and the best practices that kind of came through my journey and the problems, uh, the curveballs that I may have faced, um, different plannings that I did, how I executed the plan, where I was lost and different things like that. Try to give an overview of uh, just my story to gain some, to give you guys a little bit of you know authority. So I'm talking about the recruiting process. Um, you don't think someone is someone talking to you that's never been through it in multi-faceted areas from recruiting coordinator and a prospect. Um, so hopefully at the end of this episode, you feel comfortable and have some uh, context to maybe the position that you guys are in, some context to maybe how to approach certain situations and just a little bit of a teaser and just groundwork for what it is. Um, that we're going to be doing here at Blue Chip Academy. So everyone's football journey starts different, right? Like some people, you know, their parents force them to play flag football at a young age. Uh, some people start off playing tackle football. Um, I started off playing flag football around seven years old. Um, but before that, uh, you know, a son of a football coach, uh, Terry Smith, and so football was kind of like a way of life, right? Like, so I was introduced to football kind of hanging around in the high schools at Hemfield and being a ball boy at Duquesne University, uh, learning the football operations of the game. Uh, that was kind of my intro to it, understanding um, things from an off-field perspective, like understanding that coaching was a profession and, you know, the players are here to, produce and so a lot of things and a lot of the groundwork and how it was introduced to football was literally from <laughs> off the field I actually didn't like football at all it was like a at the beginning I didn't really want to play like a lot of kids didn't want to play uh it was just fun to run around and hit people every once in a while but like the practice was terrible six inches ab exercise the worst so it was always a pain but I always enjoyed you know Ball boy, being a ball boy at Duquesne, being around the coaches, being around the players just from that standpoint. So that was always like an interesting thing (laughs) that how I got into football or got, you know, I kind of say fell in love with it. It was from kind of an off the field perspective first before I fell in love with the game between the lines. Uh, We talk about, you know, the exposure to you know, being behind the scenes of football. I mean, I can't talk about this part or the journey of my 
story or my process or my blue chip blueprint without talking about Terry Smith. Cause you know, he was my dad and coach stepdad and coach um, growing up. He was a coach growing up, but I was always tagging along when he coached at Hemphill, when he coached at Duquesne, I became a ball boy and, you know, was there on an everyday basis going to training camp, being around the guys, understanding, you know, what the equipment, equipment staff did, how coaches operated, uh, you know, like the very intimate, um, you know, observer of, of college football at the time as a, you know, young eight year old. But, uh, you know, my dad gave me all those chances to be exposed to that, you know, and then being a great coach, a lot of things of what I saw a coach or what I expected from a coach came from him. Like the way he stuck up for his players, the way he communicated with his players, the way the expectations were clear, the way that his players respected him. It was always kind of the standard on how I looked at, uh, you know, sports, but long story short, we'll talk about, um, the youth part of the game. It was just, just to give context of like coming into football, you know, I actually liked the off the field stuff before I started really having success on the field and things of that nature. Um, so growing up in Pittsburgh, I mean, everyone kind of knows like recruiting and high school football in Western PA has extremely rich history. Like I've said that I you know got my first <laughs> experience going around football from being on the sidelines. It was a, kid of a coach and things like that. So for example, like the first high school player that I saw up close and personal, I was at a uh, Hemphill football game, which Hemphill scrimmage, which is a high school in suburban Pittsburgh here. And they were playing North Hills. And there was a guy by the name of LeVar Arrington who was, you know, everyone was talking about being the best player in the world at the time. You know, this is again, my intro to high school sports. It was like a seven year, seven, seven year old, you know, watching, LeVar. So I'm like, oh, that's that's <laughs> that's what the best looks like. OK, I got an understanding. Like, but again, from a coach's standpoint and, you know, growing up, my family, uh, you know, from, a big part of my family is from Aliquippa. So growing up, going to the pit and going to uh, going to Aliquippa football games, watching my older cousin Josh Lay play, you know, seeing guys like Darrell Revis growing up and different things like that in, in Pittsburgh, you know, Willen Hills always had great players, whether it was uh, when I was younger, it was uh, Shante Spencer, Tutu Ferguson, then Steve Breston and all the guys that came. It was just a rich history all through Western Pennsylvania, something that, you know, I carried a lot of pride in coming up in Western Pennsylvania. Anybody that's played with me uh, in college or in the NFL knows that I'm pretty prideful about coming up in playing football in Western Pennsylvania. But long story short, it just kind of shows that, you know, coming up in Western PA, football is somewhat of a religion, right? Like the Steelers, you know, all the rich history of all the, you grow up learning about football history. Oh, Dan Marino went here. This person played here. Tony Dorsett, uh, Mike Dicka played here. That You know, just that was always the baseline. So like the standard coming around Pittsburgh was, you know, excellence, uh, championships, you know, wasn't very few, very few times in my life where, you know, the Steelers didn't have the, mo- the most Super Bowls in the, the, in the, uh, in the NFL. But back to, you know, the story of, of everything. Um, so again, growing up 
in Western PA and just being exposed to different high school things and just seeing the rich history, you never really, you know, understand like what you're in as you're coming up. But, you know, like it all started getting serious. I would say around, you know, 11 or 12 years old when we sat down and understood that I started having success in football, uh, you know, carrying the ball, um, scoring touchdowns, having, you know, at a youth age. And I say that because when I started playing football, I didn't carry the ball. I played offensive line and defensive line and didn't really, you know, do anything exciting. You know, the games are boring. I never carried the ball, but, you know, my third or fourth year, I started getting the ball and found success pretty early. And like my tolerance of football kind of transitioned. My, my tolerance of football on the field and my love of football off the field transitioned to a love on the field. And I mean, the love off the field was still there, but like I, it was fun to score touchdowns. It was like cool to be natural at something. Things were coming easy. The game was slowing down. You know, it was just a different, it was a different thing. I was able to start focusing on goals. You know, my dad's very smart. He was like, okay, this is how many touchdowns. Like, all right, Mark, you start goal planning. Like how many touchdowns you want to have this year? How many yards every game X, Y, and Z. So like, like the methodical approach of everything started going there. Um, working hard and doing extra workouts was never really pressed upon me outside in. That's another thing, like going through my process that I always uh, appreciated with my parents that I was able to garner my motivation to play football internally. Right. And it was facilitated and curated from my parents um, to help me focus on what I wanted to do, eliminate distractions and things of that nature. So once I finally made up my mind that like, Hey, I think like around 11 or 12, like I think this football thing is what I really, really want to do. Um, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's like sitting down and understanding what kind of the, the sacrifices or investments we needed to make into myself, whether it was like working out in the off season, no more off season, taking an approach to uh, looking into running track, how different sports lent well to my performance on the field, like what it looked like trying to play as a ninth grader and different things of that nature. So, you know, that was always, that was a conversation that started for me. And like, I guess you would say that was like the beginning of like, my blue chip blueprint was around, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And that's kind of when my recruiting process started, uh, you know, playing baseball in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, you kind of show some athleticism running bases. There happened to be a high school coach there uh, from a school, you know, central Catholic in the area, you know, they start recruiting like they, like it's the name of the game, you know, they had an opportunity to, to, go there, but that was like the first time where it was like, oh, you know, schools, you know, <laughs> schools want players at this young of an age and start recruiting. Just that idea of feeling wanted was just kind of different. I was kind of caught off guard. Like, you know, I wasn't really a good baseball player per se. <laughs> like I actually wasn't good at all. I just had one off season that was pretty, uh, one tournament season that was good. And uh, that coach happened to be at the tournament when I was running around the bases and being able to show, um, <laughs> being able to show some speed, if he came to any other tournaments or any other games, you just saw me, you know, striking out and walking to the, <laughs> to the bench. But that's another, that's, that's a story for another day. 
Long story short, my speed was uh, noticed that day and it was able to be like, oh, okay, there's there's some opportunity here. And so with that, you know, track was out. I mean, baseball was out of the picture and we started to get serious about track in the offseason. And I would recommend this to all players, um, skill position, big guys, whatever the case may be. Run track and run track early. Uh 11, 12, 13, you can stop when you get older. I mean, but knowing how to properly run and drive force into the ground, the psychology of running by yourself and the competition aspect that kind of lends well when you get older, I think is a been a it was a key foundation in like the acceleration of my career. Cause like everything that I'm talking about now, like, you know. Didn't have I had some success in football, but not much. And then start running track and started realizing having a special trait. And I can't say I started running track and just immediately saw success. Like I, my first year, I I, I actually never won <laughs> uh, ever. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I kind of I got better, I got faster, and I committed to just progressing and progressing. And it was like a, obviously. Coming in playing football, a lot of football players like have to swallow that ego because you know you can be good in football and you get on a track and you know you're dealing with different type of speed, different type of different type of muscle conditioning and guys taking off and that ego when you're playing football, you know someone does something you can hit them. You know when you get smoked on the track, it's just embarrassing. You know, and it's like more of a social climate and things like that. So those are like kind of the barriers that people don't understand or recognize that I think some football players shy away from, but I'll make this challenge now that front track it's a major key speed brings opportunities moving forward. It's the one metric, like the 40 yard dash. And as we continue to tell the story is like the one thing that set me up to play, you know, high school football with a scholarship every down that I stepped on the field. Um, so going to that long, just run track. Basketball obviously, basketball obviously has its benefits of short area quickness and overall athleticism. I love, I mean, I love multi sport guys. Track is just, you know, it's when they're looking at scholarships and coming to the table, you know, the speed is kind of undeniable when that uh, tends to come up. So, going off to the next thing, you know, talk about multi sports and just continue going. So, I guess around this time, you know, 12, 13, that's when, you know, things started getting serious. Like I said, starting to run track and taking 13, taking college tours and competing, right? Like ninth grade, going into my ninth grade year is when, you know, I wanted to get around to campuses. So my dad took me around to, you know, different college campuses to compete. And, you know, I, I wasn't the only person. It was other people on our team and things of that nature. So I just thought <laughs> it was, you know, that's what the high school coach you know is kind of supposed to do to an extent but like you know we were always prepared when we went to the camps how to run how to run 40s you know obviously coming from track my dad was my track coach as well so like the level of competing and how to approach that in a 40 or in a 100 uh, meter dash or running track just the mentality of taking a, a race strategy and transitioning it to a 40 yard dash was just like you know, it's night and day and it's very, it's so easy once that happens. So I was able to, you know, figure out how to run a technically sound grade 40. So, you know, going to ninth grade, I ran four, three, I went four, three at a Penn state camp and got a scholarship offer. So you know, I got my first scholarship offer going into ninth grade. 
You know, so just to give some context that I didn't play it down high school football without a scholarship. Um, so, you know, that takes away a lot of pressure when you're playing, you play a little, a little more free, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I had a successful high school career. That was, you know, again, I was going into my ninth grade years when I received my first scholarship offer. And again, it was, I can't say it was expected or planned to, but I put myself out there and it was also preparation going into, you know, the camps, whether it's running track, doing whatever I need to do, understanding the drills that would be done, things like that. But going into the game, we all understand that with when we play a sport, when there's not stress and you're kind of free and just, and just kind of doing your thing, you can play loose and free. And I, I had that opportunity to do based on, you know, a plan, you know, put together by my parents and, and me with my own aspirations and like being guided and being able to take advice and take, you know, different movements of things like that. So that was a, that was a, like the big key thing and the big, piece of the early part of the recruiting process for me per se. So went on to have a successful high school career. Uh, my senior year, I was top 20 recruit, five-star, five-star recruit, top corner, um, in the country, you know, had all the, had all the offers ended up going to Penn state university, um, had success there. Um, it was an interesting time in the media or just in the recruiting space. Cause it was when rivals and, you know, the all American game were starting to get big. You know, there was, there was, there was attention given to the stars, given the players and things of that nature. And, you know, there was actual like coverage on <laughs> high school players at that time. So when we came, you know, I came into Penn state, it was uh, me and, Another classmate of mine was Derek Williams. And at this time, you know, now mid-year in Rollies. And Derek was, by the time, he was he was the number one recruit in the entire country. You know, I was top 20. He was number one recruit in the entire country. We were roommates, so we kind of shared similar views. Going through the recruiting process, you know, we spoke to each other, had, you know, similar ideas of what we wanted to do in college, how we approached the game, not we wanted to come in and make an immediate impact, blah, blah, blah. And... When we finally got there, you know, it was it was different. There was a lot of different attention per se. I mean, first day in class, first day you get to class, you know, you and your roommate are on the front page of all the newspapers <laughs> in school and things. And it, it it was just different. You know, we, we knew we knew we were there to play a sport. We enrolled in January, like I said, that was a new thing at the time. So we had to get a you know a whole spring under our belt. And it, it was a interesting, it was an interesting time. And obviously that was a year that we went on to, uh, you know, when the orange bowl flipped the, uh, I'll say flipped the program, but it was three and nine a year before. And then I think it was three and nine. And then we went 11 and one, you know, it was a good football team that was already there. And we kind of added some, some fire to that, uh, at Penn state. So I went on, uh, not to spend too much time at Penn State. So I went on, played three more years there. It was um, all big, big uh, 10 corner, left early, graduated Penn State in 36 months and decided to enter um, the NFL. Um, I just you know, I felt like it was my time to go. I graduated, kind of know what I wanted to do after football. And so 
again, on my blueprint was just kind of on the offense. I've always, always had kind of confidence in myself and, and took that plunge. Um, you know, had a injury ridden, uh, NFL career, but learned a lot, right? Like my first year I had, you know, it was a disappointment because I ruptured my toe in camp. You know, I leave early to go to the draft. I slide a little bit, some stuff, you know, I got into some trouble in college. It came out in draft time, slid a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, devastated going through the draft and I get there and, you know, I'm having a great training camp and then boom, my toe, uh, my toe ruptures in the first, uh, preseason game. Boom. I'm like, ah, man, like what's going on here? I know that I'm out for eight months, you know, and that was, uh, it was a kicker, right? I'm a 21 year old kid and 20 year old man in the NFL, I leave school early. Like, like, thank God, I, you know, I have my degree. I know what I want. I, you know, I'm going after my stuff. I was, I, I felt that I was where I was supposed to be. I had a great camp and then, you know, the injury happened and, you know, by saving grace, I got drafted to the Rams and there was a guy there by the name of uh, Corey Chavis, you know, his old time vet. And he gave me a, uh, he gave me, um, he gave me an assignment to keep me locked in for, the rest of the year, which was pretty much evaluating and giving scout reports to the defense every Friday and presenting it to them. You know what I mean? And like, like a scout would to keep me ingrained and, and in the game of football. And if anybody understands how the life is in the NFL, you know, you go to practice and you go, you know, whatever the case may be, you go home after, but like, if you're hurt on IR, you might have two hours of treatment and you're kind of free, you know? And he was looking out as, I always looked at him looking out for me because as a 21 year old kid, you know, that has, you know, got some money in your pocket and got some freedom, kind of put some structure around me to stay in tune with the game. And in that time, I always had a, uh, I guess, a passion for just the operations and just the puzzle pieces of a football department. But, you know, starting to realize some of the natural things that you pick up watching film and being able to put, you know, words, the phrases and things that uh, words, the phrases when watching film was all was a uh, was something that I picked up that year. So that, that, that my rookie year was pretty much uh, a scouting internship led by a player. You know what I mean? Where it was presenting uh, reports, keys to victory, how to win and things and, and things in that lane and kind of started to grow my passion for, you know, like the evaluation aspect of the game and kind of mirroring it and matching it up with all the other experiences that I had in and outside of the game growing up. Um, you know, I had a, had a nice five, six year career, you know, again, like I said, had some injuries at the end and always knew I wanted to get into scouting or one day become a general manager. And I remember at the end of my career, you know, I was friends with, you know, the GM, Gavin Colbert here at the Steelers, and we, we were meeting uh, when I was getting ready to, you know, be done. And I was trying to get a like a scouting opportunity. He was telling me about, like, the transition and how, you know, should step away from the game for a little bit to, like, you know, sharp. Like, I don't even know if it was, like, to sharpen my eyes, but just sometimes to step away to let, you know, the emotions go away from the game because a lot of times, you know, players get done and they start getting real critical of, other guys and you just can't see it right because if you still want to play you're watching somebody you're thinking like i can play better than him or 
he's not better than me. Instead of like really giving a, you know, talk about it later, but a no emotional evals, right? Like that's the key rule. So like trying to institute that or put a building block in and say, you know, take a few years away from football. And I, and I, and I took that, you know, it, I took that to, I took it in when he said it because it made sense. I was pretty logical. Like that makes sense. But next opportunity came up. I took <laughs> with the Cleveland Browns, which, which was a, you know, analytical scouting opportunity. You have to learn another, you know, uh, perspective on the game, just the different aspects of analytics and how guys pass rush and receivers, how they catch the ball, uh, what things separate a good player from the, that player. Like what actually, like what are these critical factors that make players good? Like I always knew going through as again, like a first as a coach's kid and being around and just absorbing the game and seeing guys like Lee Barton, like a Duquesne at a young age or seeing, you know, like, like, you know, Shante Spencer, a nine year NFL guy. Like when I'm in seventh grade, like you just see all these different, you know, guys growing up and uh, you know, like the scouting piece. once you start putting like, you know, formal, backing behind different stuff. And when we add the analytics and charting, I started to, you know, started seeing the whole guys and like the one thing that kind of was missing was like, well, you don't know who the player is, right? Like when you're, that's the one critical thing that players as evaluators are going through the football ecosystem is a very, you have a very critical look on everything, right? You know, when you go against a player, like if that player is confident enough to go against you or not, you know, if you beat him, if you can continue to beat him or not, you know, the guys that we're going to keep fighting regardless, you know, the guys that are going to quit. Like that's like a sixth sense as an athlete that you can kind of pick up. So I'm like going through this kind of thing. I was like, man, if I can get close to athletes and start getting and understand how they tick and then I can understand, man, I can, we can really do something in this football ops personnel world. But, you know, so I started to go back to school and get my, uh, sports psychology masters. And you know, I, I finished about halfway through and I couldn't see you know, the vision of everything coming together. So I was like, I'll go to Miami and get my sports administration. That's, that's clear. Boom. Business. I, I couldn't really see where the sports psychology thing would like fit in, but I would, I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was feeling like a passion project and I just couldn't see where I could provide stuff, but you know, it's starting to circle back. <laughs> Long story short, after I get done with that, I got an opportunity, um, you know, my first job outside of the scouting job with the NFL, which is one of the best things that I probably did. You know, when you're talking about going through your blueprint or you're having a plan is like not having too much downtime because making the, the biggest thing I, I found through the transition as tough as it was, um, the hardest part was the law before I started doing things, right? Like when I started doing things, whether it was taking a job as a, a business development manager for a physical therapy company, it was like, there was something about learning like new skill of sales and marketing, learning how to weaken, like strengthen some of the things that I was weak at. Right. Cause I, you know, as athletes coming up, you know, you're always evaluating externally people coming to you, coaches coming to you, uh, business opportunities and you never really get an opportunity to kind of sell yourself. Like you're actually told not to sell yourself. You're told to let your play speak for yourself and like merit is the way that you're going to be seen. And that was like a hard lesson to learn when I had to transition out because I didn't really know how to like promote things. I know how to tell the truth. I know how to tell you what I think about things. I know how to give you an evaluation on something. I know how to, you know, 
like read between the lines, but market myself like that just it, it just didn't come natural. And I and I, you know, I felt like it was an opportunity to build that that skill. And that's something I always try to tell guys when I'm talking to them, like former football players when transitioning out is like understanding and being critical with yourself and knowing where your weaknesses are. Like the same way that you go through um, your career, you got to continue to watch film, see what you messed up on and get better at that thing. And that's the same thing that you have to do with your personal attributes when you transition out as good or strong as some of the building blocks that you had within the sport. Some of the other things are weak and building it up. You know, the hardest part is getting under there and getting started. But once it goes, it kind of takes off. But build another skill with ATI and as a, you know, business development manager, understanding how to sell, understanding being external focused sales habits, how to target um, customers, just whole, just just business structure in, in general. I got to see how the company like planned to go public in the future and like what things they were setting up and how to target and all that good stuff. But there was a lot of, you know, just business things that I learned through that, through that phase of my career. And then that's when I got an opportunity to come back to Penn state and become a recruiting coordinator. And, you know, at Penn state, you know, it took a lot of the things that aggregated information that I kind of been telling through this story. And, you know, it's kind of all starting to come together. The pixel starting to make the story like, Oh, I think I can, you know, really operate or not even operate in this space, but like, okay, this is how this works in this day and age of 2017 recruiting. So we kind of, you know, had success at Penn State, had the top class ever, top class ever uh, recruited in Penn State history. That included uh, Michael Parsons, Adafi Owe, you know, uh, Pat Fryermuth, to name a few. Um, and then next year we had, um, per star rating, like a top three uh, class um, based on by rivals. But it was, uh, we had success at the end of the day. So <laughs> had success there at Penn State. And like a lot of times that you, and the things that we did see or I saw at Penn State was that a lot of guys going through the process didn't recognize that they were in a business. Some people, some of them did, some of them did not. Um and still approached it like this was an extracurricular activity. And, it, and that, as sometimes it, it hurt my heart because there was an opportunity here to like maximize your dream. And, I, and you see some people that did it and some people that uh, took full advantage. And you see some people that just completely missed the mark. And sometimes it's not always 100% their fault. Sometimes it's just misinformation. Sometimes it's the wrong making the wrong turn down the wrong road. It's just hard to like rebound from it, but there's a lot of curveballs, ups and downs to the recruiting process that you see from a recruiting coordinator standpoint that you witness as that I witnessed as a recruit and the different things that you go through. Like, like when you're within the program and transitioning from being a freshman, sophomore, junior in that whole piece. So there was a lot of things at Penn state that were just, uh, very, very beneficial to my career, being able to see just the different things and how uh, like the industry continued to move and how it changed from when I was in college and like where the gaps or where things are continuing to progress and just seeing where I entered when I played and where it was at now. So again, it was a, a great experience at Penn State. I mean, I learned 
tons of things. We had a lot of success, had good teams, brought in great recruits. Um, there's guys still now, you know, up there are still playing, uh, you know, Joey Porter, Day Day Hardy, uh, there's, there's, you know, Jaquan Brisker, um, some guys that I recruited that are still making noise up there. You know, you just love to see it. And that's, that's what you get into this whole, th- this whole football ecosystem for, right? Like to kind of help, to help serve and help people, you know, reach their dreams. So after my time at Penn State, I had opportunity to go to the XFL, which was a startup spring football league <laughs> with Vince McMahon. Uh, I got to work with Oliver Luck, Doug Whaley, who's former GM of Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Oliver Luck was the EVP of regulatory affairs at the NCAA and West Virginia AD. And obviously, you know who Vince McMahon is. And that was a... a, a dream job. I mean, the opportunities and the things that I learned there, I mean, we pretty much, we built, not pretty much, we built a football league um, from the ground up, from hiring coaches, personnel, uh, training staff, weight weight room staff, transitioned stadiums, transformed stadiums, transformed ballroom, weight rooms, uh, created, you know, drug policies, uh, uniform, like you name it. From the bottom to the top, you know, put together uh, a football league, changing the rules. And it was just another great thing for the football ecosystem, bringing, you know, a thousand plus jobs. And it was like you just noticed that there was a lot of just talented coaches, a lot of talented players. that were just, you know, left out and there's just still gaps in other rooms within the ecosystem where people, you know, athletes can have a critical view or football players have a critical view that can lend well in many areas, right? Whether it's in different marketing spheres or it's in the social media that's coming, you got different, uh, you know, personnel, football ops, different things where um, there was an opportunity for guys to have their hands in new things. So when we brought in different scouts or football ops personnel, you know, they were doing different jobs. Long story short, we just saw that the formation of different departments with a diversity approach, like really was beneficial. And, you know, one of the the big things that that we did at the XFL, so we had an opportunity to sign the only player to ever have two years, only play two years in college football, which was Kenny Robinson. He had an opportunity. Had an issue that happened at West Virginia and was still um, not eligible to go to the NFL. And we were able to um, put together a plan that provided him an opportunity to train, an opportunity to, you know, go back to school and get ready for a season and make some money, um, make some money playing football. You know, he had a, a family member that was sick at the time and we were able to, you know, provide, you know, infrastructure for him to fulfill his career path that he was on. And that was just always, um, a great joy (laughs) that I had at the XFL, not just Kenny, but like all the players. I mean, they were all like chasing that dream of one day playing professional football. Some people were like closing that door and the relief of closure looked, you know, it was just as great as the, you know, achievement that some of the guys went on like Taylor Heineke's and the NFL now and, PJ Walker and uh, Kenny Robinson, 
and different guys of that nature. Um, but, you know, the XFL ended up closing up because of the pandemic a year and a half ago. And here we are. Um, since then, I started, you know, LIG's sports group, which, you know, that is uh, the parent company of the Blue Chip Academy hosting all this good information for, you know, the parents going through this recruiting process, this sports ecosystem, this football ecosystem, and just, you know, the confusion that comes with it and the emotions that come along. And hopefully that's that's pretty much my football story to this point. And that was kind of, you know, some little tidbits and key points that I went through and just my story and my background. Hopefully this helps a little bit to give you some sort of direction of kind of, you know, my experiences um, on a surface level that kind of give me a little bit of authority to speak on some of the subjects that we'll be talking on in the Blue Chip Academy and the recruiting process. Again, if you want to schedule a 30-minute consult call, please don't hesitate to check out the website and schedule that on the Blue Chip Academy page. Now I'm your host, Justin King. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want to help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.